Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. You're listening to a Joycast from GLB TIQ Community Radio Station, Joy 94.9. And uh, you are with Dana and Mason. In the studio live with us, we have Greta Bradman, a soprano. You don't say sopranoist, you say soprano. Correct. <laughs> Originally from Adelaide, but currently resident in Melbourne, Australia. Welcome, Greta. Thank you. It's great to be here. I was just saying to you while we're listening to Paloma there that you are one busy lady this week. I've, I've sort of, because I knew that we were going to have the opportunity to interview you, I sort of have been following you around. I'm also a fan of you on Classic, um, uh, you know, ABC Classic FM. Woohoo, thank and you. And I was listening to you as I do in the morning, and I was so happy because my um, yacht race was cancelled this weekend because it was terribly windy. So I got to listen to the whole show. Yacht so, race. Sounds like I should be interviewing yeah. you. <laughs> sounds <laughs> amazing. Right. Oh, it's much more fascinating. <laughs> um, but congratulations on the album, Home. It is, in fact, your second album. Yeah, well, do you know what? It's actually my fourth, but it's my second for Decca, for Decca Classics. Uh, yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm super excited um, to be part of the Decca family and, yeah. So what to, obviously, I know you would have been asked this a million times, but why home and what do these songs mean to you? Yeah, yeah. Well, home, I mean, home to me, I have to say, it's where my family is and, you know, particularly where my kids are, wherever they are feels like home and same with friends and, you know, close friends and so forth. So, but um, the idea behind, I mean, it's actually probably there are two things that come into it. One is I had surgery a couple of years ago and on my neck, so it wasn't on my voice, but it literally put to sleep all of the nerves down the right-hand side of my neck. So I couldn't move my larynx. I couldn't talk properly and couldn't wow. sing at all. And even when I could talk, um, I couldn't. I still couldn't sing. And it was vaguely terrifying because I, like, synthesise everything through singing, you know. Mm. Um, but I thought, as long as I can sing in the shower, I'll be okay. Except I suddenly realised uh, I would really be sad about having not recorded this album, which I thought that I would record down the track. But it's, you know, it's those songs that remind me of growing up and certain instances with my family and particularly, I suppose, you know, my, my grandparents and family members who are no longer, no longer around. So, of course, you do have quite a famous surname. We were talking before, Bradman. Uh, and your grandfather and your grandmother were heavily into music. And you, I know we, we've, uh, I've seen the Australian Story uh, piece on you from a couple of years ago. And you were talking quite a lot about the influence they had on your music. Can you talk a little bit about um, growing up in that sort of environment where there was a lot of music? Yeah, Because my parents really yeah. just listened to James Last and, you know, what it was just sort of pop jazz stuff that didn't really have any substance. So I'm sort of oh, envious that you grew up in a <laughs> oh, environment know, where there was great I think music. if you grow up with music of any sort, it's great because then you have that music, you know, to sort of take you through your life and connect you back to those times and whatever the sort of music, I think that's awesome. Is it gramophone music? Would they have been on the... 
grammophone, they'd play live. Yeah, like even actually when I was, you know, we're talking 80s, 90s here, Mm. um, we had a record player and, uh, you know, my dad's old vinyl collection, which, you know, consisted of everything from Louis Armstrong, um, a lot of Bessie Smith, Billie Holiday and people like that through to Joan Sutherland and Maria Callas and Pavarotti and some of the great conductors of the 20th century as well. And my my dad's parents were very much, as you say, into, into music and loved playing the piano. My grandpa was really fond of playing the piano. My grandma had been a singer when she was younger and my mum's dad was an amateur tenor as well and so I used to pedal away. He had a pianola and I used to pedal away and he'd sing. And, um, you know, memories like this is ju- are just absolute gold for me. I just, I love them. I yep. cherish them. And my nana, who passed away actually just last year after this record, Home Was Made, got to hear the album, got to hear oh, the album in raw form. When, and I'm so grateful for that. When did you realise you had an amazing voice? Did you kind of know yourself but was it, were I? unsure? <laughs> well, Still you not must because sure I'm not making this record. So <laughs> you are. And I've heard, I've heard you sing it. If Decker calls you, That's call right. me. That's right. Yeah. So... Did you did someone kind of say to you you've got an amazing voice, or did you know within yourself that maybe you've got a, a voice that is beautiful? Or how did that come about as a young person? You know, I really I don't know. Yep. I think it came out because I it, like literally everyone in my family sang. It was just something that we did, and I was in the choir at school, and you know, sang solos and and so forth. But really, didn't you know rate myself in any way um, a, a singer. I was a I was a pianist, and I would compose music and play other instruments as well. Um, I think for me, singing is my vehicle for communicating. Right. And communicating to, you know, anyone, it doesn't matter what you believe, um, it doesn't matter where you come from, music is kind of this, you know, common denominator that we all share and we can all experience our own emotions and sort of, um, I guess, compute, you know, things that are going on for us, us in our lives through music. So for me, I think it was a realisation during uni probably and even later uni, not even early on, um, that... I had this knack somehow maybe for communicating or at least I loved communicating through music. I love it that most people in the world call it a gift but she's like, it's a knack. <laughs> a knack to sound it. like yeah, well. that. But you were studying music yeah. classically so you knew that you were a musician by then. Do you know, yeah, I mean when I, I did my undergrad music degree alongside a degree in psychology and then I went on and did honours psych and a master of clinical psych and I had no inclination to sing whatsoever. I was going to keep it as a hobby and found that, in fact, I just couldn't let it go, basically. It Do just, you see it yeah. as a... I know you've talked in the past about some struggles during your teen years and, you know, some um, mental health issues and maybe bullying when you're at school. Do you see this as a, the singing as a therapeutic thing as well? Yes. I think it was kind of complicated for me because, you know, when I was in my teens, it was sort of the only thing I felt like I could do. Right. And so in some ways I wanted to prove that I could do other stuff as well, just to myself, to no one else. Or not even prove it, just find out if I could. So, um, yeah, it was something that meant a lot to me that I I used as sort of a tool, um, I guess, to kind of get me through. But, yeah, I think definitely definitely it can be used therapeutically yeah. really and I guess given you had that surgery last year and you couldn't sing for a while maybe that you know did that kind of um, give you a hint that you know singing is really 
crucial to you and really important and yeah yeah in fact the two things that have given me that really that aha oh my goodness i can't believe how much this means to me moments would be having kids and the surgery having kids all of a sudden it turned that was the turning point for me i mean i had kids in my early 20s when i was still at uni and all of a sudden music took on this new significance of you know actually it's really important in our lives you know it's something where i can sing and cherish that and at the same time contribute you know in a way that i feel is somehow meaningful and then again when i had the surgery realizing that oh my goodness this isn't a given yeah i might yeah, yeah it can be taken away so you yeah. know better make the most of it so greta while you're in the hospital recovering from the surgery that you had do you in your mind have a backup plan oh gosh if i can't continue on this career that i've now fallen in love with a psychology major. A I'm just. Uh, well, did is that was that the, always the plan? Was that ever a career? I imagine you were drawn to psychology for another reason. Actually, kind of the same reason, like mm-hmm. the whole connecting with people thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, it all comes back to the same thing, and my, um, my, I guess my goal moving forward has always been to integrate the two. Yeah. And to have both of them as sort of two sides of the one communication coin in a way yeah were you and fearful that you would lose your voice and have to have another plan um not so much i wasn't really fearful in terms of having another plan i just thought well i'll have to find another way of engaging with music because all of a sudden i realized it was actually the conversations with people about music that i'd miss mm. the most as long as i could sing in the shower i'd be okay if i couldn't yeah. sing at all i would be She's obsessed cactus. with the shower this one <laughs> I am obs- evidently well not just the shower but when i'm cooking or when i'm walking down the street yeah. or basically constantly yeah. um, when I'm not talking to people I'm, I I'm d- singing. I like the idea that <clears throat> I don't know how old your children are now so they must be they're 11 and I 8 say 10 yeah mm. so they're at that age where it's oh mum so even though you have this great <laughs> talent if you if you built one out at home are they like uh, they actually they're pretty good at putting up with it now because <laughs> they, they sort of it's like white noise they just right. don't <laughs> even notice <laughs> the funny thing is though that because um, my oldest boy is really into sort of gaming music and, and you know the really annoying YouTube, well, I find them annoying, <laughs> mm. YouTube stars with their music, um, and the younger one more classical music, but they both can't help themselves. They walk around the, mu- the house without even realising it, singing songs from oh, the Oh, really? Yeah, which wow. is sucked super in. cute. Yeah, sucked into that them. That is very yeah. cute. They love their mum. That's get good. That, get that on YouTube straight away. <laughs> yes. That's yeah. what they're going to love. Now, you've got a tour coming up in June, July this year. I do, yeah. Uh, locally, or, well, you know, sort of not internationally, around the around the traps. Correct, around Playing Australia. Playing all churches? Almost all churches. Yeah, I, was, yeah. I was going through your, your mm. gig list in that church, 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 and I thought, what a fantastic... Are we touring uh, this album? Yes. Okay, great. Touring the album Are you home. dragging the entire... Adelaide Symphony Orchestra along with you? Well, I offered them a spot in my suitcase, yeah. but they declined. I mean, just before we get to the tour, was that how was that experience? Because you sang live with them. It's not like they pre-recorded and you oh, laid the, vo- yeah, exactly. the vo- voice track. Yeah, the recording process for an album like this is we all, you know, head in there together. It's very live. So what you hear on the album is literally a take that, you mm. know... Phil Rowlands, my amazing sound engineer, he sort of, you know, gets all of the microphones ready and then presses record and we do a number of takes straight through and then we move on. But in St Peter's Cathedral, which is a really meaningful place for me, both musically and personally, um, two of my, well, both my dad's parents had memorial services in the cathedral um, and I sang at those services and I've 
performed lots of music there. It was a very meaningful location for me, but also Adelaide Chamber Singers, my old choir. I sang with them until I left Adelaide in 2010 at, when I finished uni. So it was a really meaningful kind of experience. But no, they're not coming on tour with me. Kate Johnson, who's a fabulous pianist mm-hmm. based up in Sydney, she's coming with me around around the country. Great. So just voice and piano. Voice and piano. Brilliant. Because when I was looking at the uh, locations, I thought, oh, are all churches great acoustically? Well, yes. Are all, are all churches created equally in terms of, you know, giving great quality sound? Or, you know, is that not a true thing? But given there are churches, I thought, oh, maybe that's... I think the, uh, the, the question, do they all have awesome acoustics? I would say yes. Are right. they all created equally? I'd say no. Like yeah, acoustically speaking, you know, some... Things, yeah. Yeah, some are better than others, but they honestly, you know, with candles and flowers and Mm. this extraordinary music that just kind of transcends time, space, um, generation, it's um, just an absolute joy bringing Mm. this kind of repertoire to those locations with piano. Yeah, someone with an amazing voice uh, in churches that's so unforgiving. If you've got a pretty average voice, you're going to get found out in a church, aren't you? Generally. (laughs) Yep. No. I've got got an entire family got found out in the Uniting Church in Hyatt in the 70s. Do you know, I I actually, I would disagree. To be honest, I'd disagree. I I think that... that, um, Turn it back off, thanks. Yeah, Lisa. (laughs) I reckon that, you know, churches um, and the acoustics that they afford, you know, they they were built with the human voice in mind. I could sing in a a church. Totally. Mm. Absolutely. people. Yeah. Okay. I think, well, I don't know because I, I used to sing in a choir also, not a soprano, can you tell? And we sang at many, many churches. And I remember speaking to an Anglican minister, do you call them ministers, bishop, preacher? He said, oh, the Methodists can't sing. And they all, they've got their sort of high and mighties about the, oh, the you well, know, you the Catholics are rowdy, <laughs> the Anglicans can really sing in the... You know, it's sort of that idea that there's even within churches that kind of... Yeah. 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 Anyway, I um, did you have a religious upbringing? I didn't. No. So I guess the thing is, if you've got a voice like yours and you're classically trained, much of the beautiful music historically has been written for and about the Lord, right? So yeah, absolutely. So um, religious songs are pretty much your repertoire because that is what you got. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a fair bit of uh, there is a fair bit of secular classical music as well and in fact a lot on the album is is secular as well as the sacred so there are the folk songs Mm. which are of course a wonderful sort of you know things like copeland aaron copeland his work simple gifts which is just a celebration of the simple things in life which i love i'm all about the simple things in life um but yeah at the same time there is this this sacred element as well and i know for me you know as someone who for me my experience of churches growing up was with music and Mm. around music and that's you know that's what they are for me but at the same time knowing that there is so much meaning bound up in these places for people is something that's really um extraordinarily you know it adds another dimension which is just lovely and all the conversations that i have with audience members after a show after these shows because i always have a chat with uh, with pretty much everyone sticks around and we all have a chat. Plug some merch. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. But it's, well, no. But, um, you know, it's it's all about those conversations for me. Love yeah. it. Yeah. If you have just joined us, we're chatting with Greta Bradman, who is a soprano and the, has just released her fourth studio album, Greta Bradman Home, uh, which is on sale now through Decca. And you can, presumably you can buy it on iTunes and where all good music is. You can get it on the website. I checked it out today. GretaBradman.com. 
And you can buy tickets to the show. It's coming it's up. It's already up June, on Spotify. July. Check that out. Yeah, and you've got a live uh, tour coming up. And we can go to your website, presumably, to mm. check out the details Indeed, of that. Yeah. Um, I would like to play you out on a song. This is one that captured my imagination off the album. In further reading, I've realised that it is written by your very own grandfather. I love this song because... So what year would he have written this? Is this a 30s song? Yeah, he wrote it in 28. It was right. published in 30. He was in his young, you know, in his early 20s at the time, Deeply in love, of course. It is so with, romantic. Yeah, it mm. is, isn't it? It's yeah. for my grandma, you know, and she was kind of the rainbow in his sky. He was so he was married who, already by then? No, he wasn't, but he was he was with her. And um, then, of course, they went on to have this amazing lifelong partnership yeah. together. I think the thing about the the music of the, particularly the between war years and certainly in World War Two times, is, is it's so freaking jolly at the, at the most dark time. Like this idea that we're, we're producing this really, really upbeat, jolly, terribly in love, all, it all seemed very... <laughs> you, know? you know, it's amazing. And, and, you know, the thing with Grandpa is that he was a, you know, I think that he did, he did worry and he was a bit of a warrior. Mm. And that's not warrior, that's yeah. worry, yeah, as yeah. in, mm. yes. Um, and I think that this song, in a way, has a lightness to it, which is just so charming to, you know, to, to get him at a point in his life where he was so carefree and so focused on that young love that he had with um, with Jessie, who, of course, you know, went on to become the mother of his children and, and his life partner. And that idea that, you know... There can be dark clouds around, but as long as she was there, everything was okay. And yeah. that was so true for, throughout his life that 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 held true. Yeah, mm. it's very much the spirit of that generation. I think that well, this we've seen the worst of what the world can throw at us. Let's just make beautiful things and hope it all gets better. Mm. And I like that. This is um, Greta Bradman singing a song written by her father. Donald Bradman, as he was then, now known to us as Sir Donald, grandfather. Um, And Greta, thanks so much as I play it. Thanks so much for coming in and all the very best of luck with your new album, Home, and your upcoming tour. And thanks for joining Dan and Mason on Joy. Thanks so much for having me. Cheers. is a GLBTIQ community radio station in Melbourne, Australia. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au.
This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.